What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameri Braid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. How we doing, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Grind podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Coakley of Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. I'm here with Noah Bloomberg of the Ending Out River Forge. And today we got Kyle Daly, KH Daily Knives and the Knife Perspective podcast. How's it going, Kyle? Great. I've been, uh, been doing some woodworking, so it's been nice uh, not having to be quite as precise, building some workbenches for my wife's uh, greenhouse. So... Got nice. a lot of vegetables we're going to try to grow this year. Yeah, r- rough cutting stuff when you don't have to have a perfect fit is always just such a nice release. Yeah, <laughs> able to just like use a framing square and go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good enough. So don't have to be like thousands accurate. Right. Yeah. Uh, you guys probably noticed I let the intro music go a little long. I recently recorded an episode of the work for it too. And B Cone told me that I don't let the intro music go long enough. So that was for you, B Cone. <laughs> Next week, we're back to 10 seconds. Gotcha. B Cone's a good guy. Yeah. I actually, I actually uh, shipped some of his carbon fiber on a knife for Maximus's knives is raffle. I made a petty six inch petty knife with some of his X forge carbon fiber and some, some blue liners and blue pins turned out really good. Nice. Nice. I talked to Neil this morning. I think it was, it was either last night or this morning. And uh, he said that the raffles kind of hit a wall. So everybody get off your asses, go out there and buy some tickets to Neil Warren's raffle 40 prizes. Yep. 15, 15 bucks a spot or three for 40, 40 prizes. And we're not talking like a kazoo. I mean, there's three bars of Baker forging tool steel. There's two belt packs from Phoenix abrasives. There's knives from everybody under the sun. Um, anything yep. you can think of people have donated. So quite a few of those 40 things are like, uh, combo things too. So like, I know, uh, it's, uh, it's a tour maker. I can never remember his handle. It's Azura. It's Azura. Uh, he made a knuck and like a really cool bead and I think a ring. Uh, that's all one uh, thing. So that guy makes awesome stuff. Uh, he's uh, he got a couple of my sanding sticks and uh, says he really loves them. So that's always been cool. Nice. 
I also made a six inch or a six, seven inch, uh, petty with some of B cones carbon fiber on it. So that's actually really funny. Yeah. Is that, I did, was that for a Neil's thing or? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Same thing. All right. Um, I, I did, I just, mine was just like a, it's just a bolster made out of the black pearl though. So hmm. you can only tell Very that cool. it's carbon fiber in the certain light when it just turn it and it glints at you and you can see this carbon fiber. Yeah. I was kind of, or I've, I've always been surprised at how easy carbon fiber works. Like the dust gets everywhere. And like, I, I usually always try to put it with a white liner cause I like to do like stripes next to my file work. And, uh, Every time I put a white liner on there, the liner, like, it's really hard to, like, not have it be gray from the, the carbon mm-hmm. dust. Um, yeah. This time I made made sure to uh, put a black canvas with a blue liner, so worked out really well. Nice. When you think of, like, like carbon fiber being this, like, super, str- it's, a, it's a super strong material, but it's amazing how easily it can be abraded off. For sure. Yeah. It's super easy to work with. Yeah, that I actually struggled a little bit with that knife. I forged it pretty close to shape. And then after heat treating, it had like a bunch of decarb. So I had to keep thinning it and thinning it. And then by the time I finally got the finish where I was happy with it, the bolster that I had made pre-heat treat had gaps. So then I had to remake the bolster a couple times. And luckily that carbon fiber was easy enough to work with. I was able to get it done in a relatively short period of time without, you know, if it was brass or something, I would have been sitting there filing forever. Yeah. So, uh, how, how are you guys material. doing? You, uh, I, I had said how I was doing and then kind of took over things. So how are you guys doing? <laughs> good. It's all good, man. Um, I'm doing great. I just, uh, got a couple new orders this last week. Um, it's been a little Congrats. slow, but thank you. Thank you. And, uh, I just successfully heat treated my first stainless yesterday. So I've had the oven for, months now and just now finally got around to having the time to to heat treat some so that went really well i followed the advice of tobias hangler who uh was our guest a few weeks back and he was talking about heat treating stainless and using the freezer if you don't have uh accessibility to a doer um Mm -hmm. so followed all of his advice and came out with a pretty solid heat treat on the two knives that i started with so I'm looking forward what, to getting what those. What stainless out. were those? ABL. ABL. Yep. I, I haven't actually used ABL. I've got some bars that I've had a lot of makers tell me to to try it, but I pretty much use uh, 154 CPM, 154, um, and MagnaCut are kind of the the three that I've mainly used. I yeah. you know I, I'm just so new to stainless. ABL was the stuff that everybody said, hey, it's it's a good steel. It's easy-ish to heat treat as compared to others. So that's what I went with. Um, it's my go-to stainless is a EBL. That's what, yeah. yeah, a lot of people say that it's good stuff. Um, the one thing that I found is, so normally if I'm heat treating carbon steels, I do a lot of 8670. Um, all my Damascus stuff is pretty much all 1084 and 15 and 20. Right around yeah. 1500 degrees or so. It takes my oven a little less than a half an hour to get up to that. Uh, so the heat treatment for ABL is 1500, soak for 15 minutes, and then ramp up to 1950, soak for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a full hour and a half for that 1500 soak and then up to 1950. 
so I messaged Ryan and I was like, man, this is about an hour and a half into this heat treat. How long, how long does it take for your oven, Ryan? And Ryan said. Like 25 minutes from cold. 20 to, to 1950. 25 minutes. Is it just me or is that insanely fast? That's pretty fast. Uh, I think mine is like uh, probably close to like a, like from cold. Um, it's usually about an hour and a half, but like on my CPM 154, I have it paused at a couple of points uh, in between. So uh, just to make sure that the steel is fully at the, the temperatures um, before I go to 1950. My chamber's like four inches shorter than yours, though, Noah. Yours is an 18-inch deep, right? No, mine's 14. Oh, never mind. Mine's, mine's 22 and a half. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a bit bigger. And, and you're uh, running, uh, what, an even heat, I'm guessing? Yeah, I got an even heat uh, with the Rampmaster 3 controller. Um, bought it just before they came out with the tap controller. So, um, yeah, had it for quite a while now. It's been a been a good good kiln, and I've heat treated like over probably over five hundred blades out of it. Dang! So nice. Yeah, I've I've made I just finished four forty seven, and I've heat treated a handful of knives for other bakers and stuff throughout the years. Nice. That's awesome. I I do love the controller on mine. The the what is it? It's the shoot. I can't remember. Anyways, tap the touch no. screen. It's got it's got a touch screen, but it's a Paragon. I can't remember the oh. um, the brand of the controller, but anyways, I was able to program. You know, you can do the different stages and program it to hold for however long and mm-hmm. ramp it all up, and it just kind of does it all automatically. And it's really easy to use once I figured it out. And aside from you know, I wasn't standing around waiting an hour and a half for the steel heat up. I was forging or I was working on other stuff, so it didn't really yeah bother me i was just a little surprised i thought maybe it would take an hour but a little longer than i thought you have yeah. nice controllers though mine's homemade so my ramp's set on 100 percent. so when my coils are on they're on full blast well you can control the ramp rate on on these controllers i have it set to heat up as fast as i think it'll go i i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure i've got it set to ramp as fast as possible okay so yeah uh yeah the controllers are nice like uh the ramp master three that i have it has a like number pad so you can punch it all in um when i bought my even heat they just had the set pro or the ramp master and the ramp master had the number pad versus the like having to hold the arrows to move the the numbers oh, up and gotcha. down so yeah uh, mine's a ober instruments like similar to like the Inkbird pids that you buy on amazon okay so it's the so you, basic of basics. So you just type in your temperature, it ramps to it, and then yeah. you monitor the temperature and the times? Yeah, I put in a switch to shut the coils off when I stick my hand in there. and Yeah. Uh, I'm building a long oven, but if I were to get another primary oven for my smaller knives, I'd buy one. Yeah. I've been really happy with my even heat. Um the other question I was going to ask is your, your Paragon's 220 volt, I assume, yeah. or 110. Okay. I know some people that have gotten the 110 versions and it takes like a really, really, really long time to get to temperature uh, just because it doesn't have the voltage to, to throw at it. Yep. So. 
Yeah, I wasn't I, about to screw around with that when I was looking. Yeah, one of the guys I know, he was like, it takes like three hours to get to 1950. And I'm like, Jeez. that doesn't seem right. And I'm like, he's like, it's 110 volt. And I'm in my garage that's like 300 feet from his panel. And so, yeah, not being able to pull, pull very high amperage. So, yeah. yeah, mine's 220. If my math was correct, I'm drawing about 3,600 watts. So whatever that is in amperage, I got a 30 amp breaker on that plug. So plenty, yeah. plenty, yeah, plenty of I power. Used to, I used to remember how to do all that stuff for my engineering classes, but uh, I've, I've not had to use it very often. I actually uh, just pulled out my, my old calculator from engineering or high school and stuff. Cause I was doing some, some area circle calculations. Man. Remember when, remember when teachers used to say you'll you'll never have a calculator in your pocket? <laughs> yeah. So I I've been uh, working up some uh, water jet stuff. So uh, trying to get the the number of holes down a little bit. So I made my holes uh, a little bit bigger, and I uh, was wanting to make sure I was taking all, out about the same amount of weight. So instead of three holes, I've got two hole two big holes. So was wanting to make sure that it was about the same. I'm thinking about getting away from epoxy pins and doing mechanical fastening. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I just hate messing with epoxy. Are you thinking Corby's and, or are you thinking? No, I've got Corby's. I want something you can take it apart and clean it if you need to. Yeah. So, th- so, so like that's those. what I'm, I'm currently working on a project. Uh, I'm basically like a shotgunner V2 which is a slightly larger one with bolted on scales with countersunk heads so that the heads fit down in the handle. Mm-hmm. So something like that. And then like you're saying, zero epoxy so you can take it apart and clean it or put new handle scales on it or whatever you wanted. So yeah, it's, it's a, I like that a lot. It's just, it's going to require some math as far as handle scale shaping and how I'm all going to go about that. I think I got a pretty good idea how to go about it, but we'll see. Yeah. If you have removable handle scales, the big thing about those is you just have to like, if you're wanting to take them on and off a bunch of times, like you need to have those, uh, holes and pilots like really tight on tolerances. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. like the handles will be higher on one side and the tang will be out sticking out on the bottom. So they'll get floppy. Yeah, I, I tend to use a lot of pins in mine just because that's what I've always designed. I use uh, Micarta pins uh, or G10 pins and kind of do like a seven hole layout. Um, and in my Bushcrafter ones, the last one's a lanyard too. But on my on my kitchen knives, I do like a, a three, three sixteenths pins and then four eighth inch pins. So Nice. I've been using pretty much exclusively micarta and G10. I don't like metal pins because they heat up super fast and mm-hmm. the yeah, epoxy do. doesn't adhere to them. They look really cool. Um, and they don't. I mean, it, <laughs> and they don't. You get proud pins and like. Yeah. Um, I found that I get pissed off with G10 sometimes because not all G10 is the same. And if you get a fiberglass-based G10 or it's non-phalonic or whatever it is, one of the types will burn, and they burn super bad. Like, I think Jeremy at 419 Forging was talking about it when he was on. 
And I'm okay. fighting with that right now. I got a lime green pin that is just every time I touch it to the grinder, it burns. I'm like, <clears throat> bastard. Yeah. I get I get my pins from Atlas Materials, and uh, I've always had really good luck with all the stuff from them. They're actually like 30 minutes away, so I can go and pick up like big sheets and then That's cut nice. it down. So. That's the billiard supplies place, right? Atlas yeah. Billiard. Yep. yep. I've used them before. They have a really nice selection of like odd colors and mm-hmm. stuff, like colors that not a lot of other people carry. Yep. Yeah. That's actually where I got a whole ton of my uh, super thick uh, Westinghouse Micarta. So I got uh, a lot of stuff that's like, I have one piece that's like six inches thick. Um, Jeez. It's like a six by six square. That's like uh, about 14 inches long. Apparently they would use those to turn into like six inch diameter rounds for something electrical. Yeah. Like that big Uh old chunker. Uh Uh-huh. I hate cutting this stuff. Oh my God. It's so bad. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Your foot okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a whole bunch of stuff. So it was, or they bought a whole bunch of Westinghouse's like offcuts and in-cuts and stuff. So when, when they'd make a, a big sheet, they'd cut off like four, four to six inches off the sides. So um, I ended up getting a bunch of that stuff, which is awesome. Because I love, I love the way the bias cut stuff looks with uh, mm-hmm. looks like wood grain. Uh yeah yeah uh this stuff you have to cut in like an inch and a half from the live edge because it's softer out towards the edge okay they were using it as like bearing seats at the mill under the river okay so they i got it and it was a huge block it was like 28 or 29 inches long by 10 inches wide by like six or eight inches deep it was huge it was over 300 pounds Wow. And there was a crack down the center of it. So it got thrown out. My neighbor saved it. Nice. Yeah. You should tell him, you should tell him to find more crack stuff. (laughs) Yeah. He, he saved that in the eighties and was using it. He had it chained to the wall of his barn. So he didn't hit the wall of his barn with his tractor. He would hit the micarta block (laughs) instead. I don't think I've ever heard you talk, talk about that. That's hilarious. Yeah. And then once he met me and he's like, oh, you make knives. Do you know what canvas my cart is? And I was like, yeah. And I pulled out like a eighth inch thick, like liner sheet. And I was like this stuff. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, I got a chunk. I'll, you can have it. I'll, I'll, I'll take you up and you can put it in your truck. And we had to load it with his tractor because he's like 80 <laughs> something years old. Yeah. I'll have to figure out some, some other uh, thing to put on the barn to not, <laughs> run the tractor into the wall yeah that's hilarious. he's a super nice guy i got some pretty cool. cool neighbors but yeah i've i've yeah. cut it up and i've traded it for stabilized woods or you know some makume i got a piece of makume from stormlight right here that was a trade for some micarta and it's it's been handy yeah very cool man it's, a, it's super hard on saw blades though yeah yeah, I think all the McCarters are. Um, for that really thick stuff, I've actually found um, that's a hardy blade for the table saw. It's like a six-tooth polycrystalline diamond one. You can't push it very fast, but um, that's what I found that does that cuts the best. Uh, you do lose a little bit more to the kerf with the table saw than like the bandsaw, but um, for the thick cut stuff, that just rips through it like really well for me. Uh, I use that a cross cut sled. Yeah, because so. those uh, those blades are for like hardy backer, like for 
tile showers and stuff. That cement yeah. board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I use. That works really well. But if you start to get to like uh, three eighths or so or thinner, um, it it like it it like vibrates too much. The blade wobbles. Yeah. Uh, when I've you're trying some, to cut the thinner stuff. I've got a thinner piece here, and it I'm gonna have to take it down a lot because of the teeth marks. Yeah. But. Yep. That's what I use and my it, surface grinder attachment for is uh cleaning that stuff up, gets it nice and parallel. So nice. No one needs one of them. Yeah, I'm getting there. Need all the tools. <laughs> I'm 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 hoping these next couple orders that I have here are gonna start funding some of those more expensive tools. So we'll see. What's on your list? Oh, I don't know. Mainly a surface grinder. <laughs> I need a surface grinding attachment. That's that's one thing for sure. I really want one of those Apollo forges that Brian House just came out with. I saw Pickle and ha- he had his set up and I I could have bought one during his 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 first drop his pre-sale and I wanted to but I was like I my forge works like there's nothing wrong with it aside from it being kind of crappy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm going to get one of those, but I need to prioritize. But man, those things look so freaking sweet. Like, yeah, the his design on that was just killer. Like, and I'm sure anybody who's seen him, you know, obviously will agree. But I mean, I don't think I've seen a better Ford setup. I mean, it was just freaking awesome. So I'm going to get one of those eventually. Um, I don't yeah. forge and I was really wanting to get one. Or, but I, I just need to, I need to get a few other things first, uh, especially since I don't have like, I only have like a 30 pound anvil. So, uh, if, if I had the forge, I couldn't really, or can't really, uh, don't really have anything to hammer on. So, uh, I want to get a mill and some other stuff first. So we'll mm-hmm. see all my, all my tool list now is all the really, really expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, like I, I'm torn. Like I need something to cut out blanks with, but a water jet machine's like a hundred grand. And I, I haven't been able to find a table. Like I haven't been able to find a tabletop version. You know, how you can buy tabletop plasma cutters. I haven't found one for a water jet and Omax, horn on... Omax makes one, uh, but it's still like 40, $40,000, but it's a 12, oh my by, God. it's a 12 by 12 square. So no, it's too small. That's yeah. But yeah, the, uh, Wazer is another one that is lower, lower pressure. It's, but it's more for like ceramic tile and stuff. Cause it's going to, or, uh, I priced it out and it was going to be like $25 or something in abrasive to cut out, a uh, knife blank. Holy so. jeez! Wow. So I might just end up going with a Langmere and just doing a plasma table and leaving my blanks a little big so I can grind off the part that gets heat damaged. Yeah, I've had I've had quite a few of makers that I've been talking to that have been saying they really like New Jersey Steel Barons water jet service. Um, I'm also going to contact Leading Edge Fab. That's what I was doing these drawings for for my uh, my six inch petty and then my uh, my pocket bushcrafter and bushcrafter um, knife center ordered a bunch more of those from the the first drop that I did with them uh, and then ordered the my bigger four inch bushcrafter. So. Uh, did a few little tweaks to those and going to try to get those cut out of bang to cut from New Jersey steel Baron. I'd be interested to know their pricing on having blanks water jet. 
Yeah. From what I, from the guys that I was talking to, it wasn't, it was like a couple dollars more than just buying the steel from them. So they, they, since they have it all in big sheets, they just throw it up on the water jet and, uh, cut them out. So upload the file and the machine does all the work. Yep. Yeah. Nest, nest the parts. And so you tell them the, the thickness you need and, uh, then you, you give them the DXF file, or you can even send them a, like a physical template and they'll put it into, into CAD for you for an, an upcharge. Hmm. I'm going to have to do something. Yeah. I hear you. I hate, I hate cutting out blanks every time I do it, like grinding profiles and stuff. I'm like, I should be doing something more your shop, challenging. Yeah. <laughs> that and your, your shop stinks for two days like angle grinder dust and like it sticks to you. Every time I cut out blanks and I go in the house, my wife's like, you smell weird. I know. Yeah. I was going to say every time you use a zip disc, your wife doesn't want to touch you for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you're stinky. (laughs) It is stinky. Um, Oh, it doesn't, it wouldn't save me much time. So these batches I'm doing, I can cut out and drill and profile all the blanks in one day, but that's a whole day that I could be, spending time with my family or working on custom orders or you know what I mean? Or cleaning my shop, which I haven't done in months. It literally looks like a tornado went through my shop right now. Like I almost want to just hold my arm like this so people can't see it. (laughs) It's that bad. Yeah. You know, when you're like, you're pushing off one area of a bench just to do something. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And it's, it's, I got a couple projects to wrap up and then I can focus and get this place tidied up horizontal work work surfaces in the shop are always collecting everything so mm-hmm. every one of the benches in my shop and there's a lot of them are just covered with different stages of knife making so one area is covered in kydex stuff one area is covered in pin stock and handle material pieces and epoxy and another area has got my buffing wheel on it and i'm like holy crap yeah, I've got one of those uh, Craig, or I've got actually three of them, the Craig mobile workstations. Um, mm-hmm. They like collapse and fold up and then they're like uh, almost three foot by three foot square table and they have like uh, holes and stuff. They're made for woodworkers, but uh, it's really good to like be able to move and uh, kind of pull those around to wherever you need them for whatever projects I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah, I've got one big bench that's on casters that I can mm. move move around if I need to. But yeah, I pull it over next to my disc grinder when I'm uh, grinding for my dip bucket, yeah. so I can get it real close. Yeah, this spring I'll be walling off a corner and making a grinding room because dust dust is a big uh, issue in my shop right now. A lot of G10 yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I got one of the big uh, Cyclone dust collector. Um, there's a Dust Deputy, I think, was the company that makes it. So it like has a Cyclone, so it collects a bunch of it down in a big can before it goes to the paper filter up top. So makes that makes that last a lot longer in between having to blow out the paper filter for that. That's dust. a good idea. It's always so cool when you like pull pour the the big metal drum out because like as you shape all the handles right you get all these like it's almost like damascus of the layers G10 of dust or Bacardi dust or yeah yeah pretty cool yeah my swarf bucket under my grinder gets like a 
if I'm doing a lot of handle material, it'll build up on top of the water mm-hmm. and then it'll like fall in on itself. It looks like those bottles full of multicolored sand they had you do in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? We need, to get you a dust, we need to get you a dust collector for your when you're doing handle material and not rely on a bucket. Yeah, I've got a bucket and a shop vac. And the gotcha. sh- I keep the nozzle of the shop vac right at the bottom of my platen wheel and it catches like 10%. <laughs> not very I have, much. I have one of those cyclones that just sits on top of the bucket and then I have mm-hmm. that attached to my shop vac and then I just have the collector unit that I just throw right underneath my grinder when I'm doing handles. And it sucks in probably 70% of the dust, I would say. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. But I don't use it when well. I'm doing handles, though. I don't, the, the metal, I just let it fall in the in the swarf bucket. Yeah. That's what I do. I, with, I just I keep it all separate because I don't want sparks and stuff getting in there, no matter no. how low the risk is. Like I, The only time a spark gets in there is kind of when I'm kind of cleaning up the spines with the handle material. But um, yeah. Not making very yeah. many sparks when I'm cleaning up the around the handle material and tang. Yeah, there have been a few times where I've looked und- like been grinding. I'm like, I smell smoke, and I look underneath, and the whole rim of my bucket is glowing. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm gonna take a ruler and push it into the water. But yeah, honestly, I've had that happen just with metal. Metal shavings will combust just on their own if you get enough heat in there. There doesn't have to be handle material in there. It's it's just something you got to yeah. keep an eye on all the time. Mm-hmm. I know a bunch tried, of the, a bunch of the folder ahead. guys always talk about like zirconium and titanium, and I ground some titanium, and man, those sparks come off like almost like magnesium. They're so so bright and hot. Mm-hmm. So be careful if you're grinding any of those. <laughs> I dumped my swarf slug a couple of years ago into my fire pit out back, and then let it let it dry out and I tried to burn it. It, it burns, but it turns into a big 40 pound coal. Like oh, the whole yeah. thing, is, the whole thing is just one hot coal. You can bust it up and it makes like smaller coals. It doesn't like burn, burn. Um, so like the, the clinkers that guys talk about with like the coal forges. Like, I don't that, know. I always remember people talking about like the coal forge guys would have to like clean out the clinkers that were in there as the coal burnt down. Oh, maybe, maybe it's similar because it's just like refined wood and fiberglass and metal and everything you can imagine. Mm. But I won't do that again. I just replaced my bucket. <laughs> actually, I just slapped a lid on the one that was on there and I left it outside. I got to throw it in the dumpster. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. I try to, I try to clean mine out every couple of months. So usually end up with a big, big pile of stuff. It's a shame that you can't use more of that, but. Uh, there's one guy that I was talking to that said he's actually been able to make some like uh, almost canister Damascus out of uh, some of the swarf. Uh, he's been able to figure out a way to kind of like get it cleaner to like forge weld it. Huh. Interesting. So. You'd have to clean out all the abrasive material and everything that's going to be in there too, though. That'd be tough. Yeah. I wonder how you'd purify it. Yeah. Probably I'm not sure magnet. how he does it. Maybe a magnet. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. I so. don't know. But yeah, cool stuff. Uh, lot, always, there's lots of stuff, cool stuff going on with Damascus. All the 3D printed canisters and uh, all the copper and uh, all the different precious metals and stuff in there now too. Yeah, gold. Dennis's gold blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. 
I like oh. Yeah. I wish silver <laughs> had a higher melting point because it'd be cool to have a silver clad blade. One of the one of my buddies, he wants me to like make a knife that's not not a usable knife, but he just wants me to make the whole thing out of silver and put a handle and stuff on it. So once it out Pricey. of like, yeah, he said he would buy the silver. So it was like, I don't, I don't know if that would be much less expensive than like Damasteel, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Probably. Speaking so. of silver, that's uh, one of the new uh, patterns from Baker Forge and Tool. What was it? Ice Ice Storm, I think. Yeah. They had. Man, that was one of the coolest patterns I've seen in a while. I mean, that was. I, I, I think they did it in like it's the same layering or the same stack. And then they did it in a couple different patterns. And it just looked awesome. That stuff is freaking sweet. I finally got myself some of their gator piss the other day, which I'm really excited to try out. Um, I haven't. You, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, are you sold on it? Well, I was sold on it. Otherwise I wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I just did like a little test piece cause I don't have any finished Damascus blades yet to etch. Um, but I just did a couple like an end, like an end cut test etch. Mm-hmm. And it etched great. So um, I'm really looking forward to I'm in the process of probably my most complex uh, Damascus that I've made right now. So I'm really looking forward to etching that in the gator piss as opposed to my usual concoction. So I'm going to pick some up because the price is very fucking reasonable. It's $50 a gallon. Mm-hmm. And if I mean a gallon of ferric is like even to mix it, you're at half that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I bought, you buy a bottle of ferric for like 30 bucks and then you're mixing it. So, I mean, when it's all, and even then you got to make, I mean, I always end up fiddling with my mixture and then it's not quite right. And then I have to kind of go back and forth and all that. So just to be able to, I mean, just the convenience of just buying something that I know that somebody else has tested, somebody else has done all this, you know, to make sure it's the perfect mix. I mean, if, and if they're great Baker, guys. well, I was gonna say, if Coy Baker puts his stamp of approval on that, you know, it's going to be a good product. So that, exactly. that's enough for me. Is that just for high carbon Damascus etching or is that, can you use that for stainless too? Or I'm do you not know? sure. Uh, I, I think, yeah, you, I don't know. I think you gotta, I think you gotta use muratic for stainless muratic acid or hydro, hydro, hydrochloric, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, um, but I don't know what's in this stuff, so it could could have some of those things in it as well. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used uh, when I made uh, some of my Damascus stuff that I've done, I, I just bought a, a billets from Alabama Damascus when I made the few that I've done. And it said uh, uh, mix it 50 50 with white vinegar. Um, and that's always worked well for me. I've never changed it. I've had the container for like probably four years now oh wow a long time but i've only made like i don't know 25 (laughs) damascus knives so it's not like it's seeing a lot of use i wasn't really i don't know i didn't have that great a success with the vinegar um i've because i've tried that i've tried just i think the the most i've used is just distilled water and straight ferric has been my most successful up to this point so did you heat up the vinegar did I? Yeah. Uh, no. You got to heat it. 
it in, it increases acidity when you, you can literally watch it etch if you do it in a glass container. Hmm. I always try cool. to make sure that my ferric is warmer because um, I know heat is part of the etching process. So it really sucks trying to heat, uh, trying to etch stuff in the winter time. Cause I mean, I got to stick it in front of the heater, you know, to try and get it warmer. Cause it just does not etch very well when it's at like 30 degrees or whatever, you know? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe my etches are just not, not uh, that great. And I don't know any better. <laughs> I doubt it. I suck it. I suck it. I just did something better than I did. <laughs> etching right, is like my... the m- most frustrating part of the process for me. For some reason, I, I, it pisses me off because you get it right where you want it and then you touch it at the wrong moment and the carbide smudge and then stick and you're like, you got this black spot that won't come off where it's not supposed to be. And I think yeah. it was Blade Show 2019. That was like one of the last times that I've really done any high carbon Damascus. Um, cause I, I made like 12, 10 or 12 blades for that show and, uh, I was using painter's tape up to that point. And, uh, from when I etched them, um, to when I had put handles and stuff on it, it was like probably two weeks or something. Cause I was grinding a bunch of stainless blades in between. And when I pulled that tape off after I had done the handles and stuff, so it had been on there for like, uh, four, maybe five weeks at that point. Uh, it was like the, the day before I was going to leave to go to blade show and I got up super early to sharpen the knives. I'm like, I'll get all these knives sharpened. And then all I have to do is like package them up and take some photos of them tonight. And I'll be, I'll be golden to leave tomorrow morning. And, uh, I started taking the tape off and, uh, blue painters tape has some acid in the adhesive. And I had all these little rust marks, little dots all over my blades. And I ended up having to like take a half day from work and re-hand sand all the blades all the way back down, re-etch them with the handles on, and then use the Q-tip method to mm-hmm. like blend it all in. And uh, I was up till like two in the morning uh, before I got all the knives packaged up and ready to leave in the morning. What a nightmare, dude! That's I about brutal. fell. I about fell on the ground and cried. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bet it was rough. Yeah, I use a lot of blue painters tape, but I I always make sure that I don't leave it on there for a long period of time because I've had that issue. And then I've also had the issue where if you put painters tape on, um, especially like a bold pattern, it'll it'll lift a lot of those carbides off of there. And so it messes with your pattern It'll or it'll make it distorted. Like one part of the tape will stick to the carbides and the other part won't. So then you have a like a muddied looking finish or something like mm-hmm. that. I've even gone so far as when I'm doing Kydex because I do Kydex on everything. Um, when I, you know, normally I do a couple layers of blue tape, f- form the the Kydex over, then I'll peel off a layer to fit everything up and everything. Well, if I'm doing something that has like a good pattern on it or something, I'll just use like a, a like a blue paper towel or something like that to space in between the the blade and the Kydex to keep the Kydex off of being directly on the blade that way i don't have to worry about the blue painters tape doing anything to the finish have you tried electrical tape no i haven't so you can buy i get the three inch wide uh stuff on amazon and it's not too terribly expensive it's like 15 dollars for like a roll um and that's what i use electrical tape all the time now i don't use blue painters tape on any of my bevels um it has no acid in it because for electrical stuff it can't um, okay. 
for all the connectivity stuff. And I've left, I've left, uh, I had one knife that it was on over a year on a high carbon Damascus that had been etched and I pulled it off and it was fine. So, okay. So first off, I've never heard of three inch wide electrical tape. Second of all, why did you have tape on the blade for a year? Uh, it was a project that, uh, I, I got started and then got busy and then got thrown to the side and you know how stuff like that goes. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like something I would do. Uh, not somebody else yeah. though. Ah, wow. Yeah. That's, that's impressive though. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it happens. So, uh, it was, a a knife I was making for myself and turns out I like to get paid more than I like to make knives for myself. So all my projects get pushed to the back burner. I've got projects that that started when I first started making knives that I never got to. And I probably never will now because I don't even remember what kind of steel they are. I'm like, shit. (laughs) Oh, well, same. Yeah. Same. I try to, I try to always take a, um, uh, a little engraver tool and, uh, mark on my knives uh with the what grade it is um i apparently didn't on these two that i have on my on my bench but um i usually try to like yeah take a little dremel tool with like an eighth inch burr and write like 154 cm or i usually just put an m for magna cut uh just so i always remember what it is it doesn't work once you get the handle on it but then i always try to etch i usually always etch the steel on the the outside so yeah nice. that's a good idea and then i'm i'm neurotic and i put my serial number on there for what what knife i've made so every time i electro etch it's five etches so my Jeez. kh daily the three five and eight on this one and then the cpm 154 on the other side so it's a lot of need to get a laser man. want a laser i had a laser guy and then he moved to georgia and then uh one of my friends, Frank Grissom, uh, he lives like a little over an hour away when I did my big batch of pocket bushcrafters for uh, knife center. He let me go up there and use his laser. Uh, but for just doing like a handful of knives, it doesn't make sense to drive like two hours and yeah, um, stuff. So Noah's got a laser. I'm jealous. I haven't touched that thing in weeks, dude. <laughs> I t- oh, really? Honestly, Honestly, I kind of forgot that I even had it. Uh, but yeah, I need to get back to that and and see if I can get that thing dialed in. Um, Is it a fiber laser or a CO2? Uh, it's just a dialed laser. Um, okay. But it's a... Shoot, I can't even remember. I think it's a 10 out. It's a ten watt output. And so it, it will etch into Adam steel. Atom Stack. Atom Stack. Thank you. It's an Atom Stack P1, I think. And anyways, it... Uh, yeah, it's it's strong enough to where it'll etch into steel. I was just trying to get get everything dialed in to where I was really happy with how the how the etch looked, and I could get it into different steels and all that. And actually, now that I got my stainless heat treated, I'm going to have to start that process again because it's going to be different for the stainless, I'm sure. Yeah, so, I've heard both stainlesses for like diodes and like some CO2s. They have like some spray um, stuff you can spray on there, and then it like that helps the laser like do whatever it does to leave the mark yeah trying yeah. to remove the reflectiveness basically is what i think you're yeah. talking but about but i i um, think that's just a a mark not it doesn't like etch so i've, I've heard the fiber lasers are what you have to have for etching stainless to like make it go down a, a thou or two 
Yeah, this so. one will this one will etch into etch into uh, carbon at least um, okay. to where I can sand it and the mark is still there. Nice. It's just uh, it's just getting it to where I'm happy with it. You know, getting everything you know perfect and even and getting the lines nice and crisp. Because I mean, there's a bunch of different settings you can do. You can have it do just straight across. You can have it vector just so where it traces the outside and then fills in the inside. And then you can change how it fills in the inside. And then you can have it do cross cuts. And anyways. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a learning curve that, uh, I forgot about. I was talking to Mike, I was talking to Mike Moran about his fiber laser. He makes a lot of slip joints and, uh, he does, he's part of the catch bit podcast. If you guys like slip joints, that's a really good one. Uh, but he was talking about lasering his patterns for slip joints, uh, with it. So it'll make his pattern and then he'll like dwell the laser in the center of the holes that'll give him like a really precise center punch uh, oh, nice. so he can go like drill them all out and uh yeah i was like that is really smart good job that's Mike. a good idea yeah <laughs> that's awesome so yeah wow, we're 45 even... minutes in what do you say we go to some ad reads and pay some bills oh yeah let's yeah. what do you think I forgot about that shout out to phoenix abrasives this ad should be louder this week Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact Gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Hopefully you can find some sanding buddies and sanding sticks on their website, hopefully in a couple more weeks that I make. No kidding. Really? I've been been talking with Greg and working on trying to get those up on the website. So very nice. They they sponsor uh, our podcast also. So they're great guys. That's right. Uh, I actually I had a visit from another knife maker. This is the first time I've ever had a, uh, another knife maker in my shop before. Um, OLC knives, one legged cute knives. Um, Ah. he came up and and visited, but, uh, he was a pretty big fan of yours. Actually. He was, he brought up the sanding buddies that he uses all the time because he does a lot of, uh, convex grinds and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dave's a great guy. Um, I've got, uh, stickers of his all over my shop. I love his little uh, safety. Dave says you're awesome stickers. <laughs> I got those on all of my grinders. Uh, it's a, it cracks me up every time I see it. I, I actually have some knives. I need to finish heat treating for him. Some stainless ones. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. This knife world is small. Like you don't realize how small it is till you start making connections like this. And lots of people know each other. Yeah. Speaking of stickers, I have my buddy AI generate me a sticker. And like oh, yeah? my logo, my logo's the swan. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just messing around. I was like, have it generate me a swan with a mullet. And it did. And it's beautiful. It's like, a, it's like a work of art. I already ordered some stickers of it. So oh, nice. Did we lose stuff Noah? that I come? I hope not. He's frozen on my screen. Mine too. Noah. I'm still here. Um, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I can definitely. Uh, no, I can you're definitely good. St- okay. 
<laughs> I just want to make the, sure we're still there. The spinning wheel uh, I'm getting here, and you guys are frozen as well, but I can still Uh-oh. hear it. Well, I've always had it upload, so we'll go with keep keep rolling. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there Dave, he is. There he is. Go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dave's bought a. I think he has a straightening hammer, and he's got a couple of sanding buddies and sanding sticks and stuff. Um, I think he even bought one of my epoxy bottle holders too. So, oh uh, yeah, those are sweet. Kind of a, yeah. What are you charging for uh, the epoxy bottle holders and the uh, straightening uh, hammer? The straightening hammer is one twenty five, and I think the bottle holder is like fifty. Um, it comes with uh, two different tops, uh, so you can do four, four uh, of the four ounce bottles or uh, two four ounce bottles and two sixteen ounce bottles. So, those of uh, you listening to the audio only version are missing yeah. out right now because he's showing it off to the camera. Yeah, I need so I, I need one of them. I, I this was version one that I printed up for myself um, to hold it upside down because I got tired of like it just sitting in my bot like I had I had it like propped up against the wall and it was always falling over and stuff so I like printed this out because it it was like fairly easy to go like straight up this way um, and uh, I posted a picture of it and I had like literally ten people say dude I need one of those like you got to print me one and I'm like this is like gonna like get shattered from usps like there's no way oh, it's yeah. gonna make it so then i ended up making it so it like uh it's all flat pieces that snap together uh so it ships as like one flat packed thing so that's cool yeah i was they just take- thinking i need a bottle holder the other day i'm gluing knives up and i've got my bottles like teetering against a box like upside down hoping that they mm-hmm. don't fall over yeah i sized it for the g-flex uh bottles but i think uh most of the bottles are like a lot of them are the same size for the same uh diameter and then i've got a like some little little cup action in case it drips a little bit so hopefully it doesn't uh go all over the place so yeah very slick where can somebody find those you can find those on cagedailyknives.com with all the the sanding sticks and stuff too so nice yeah hopefully we'll be having some sanding buddies and stuff on uh on phoenix abrasive site here in the the next couple weeks so if if any of the listeners don't know so kyle makes these sanding buddies and if you do any sort of hollow grinds or convex grinds or anything like that basically it's it's a radius edge that attaches to a sanding stick that allows you to have that exact curve and he has the different, the different um, radiuses. So mm-hmm. if you use like a, a 52 inch wheel on a, a, a curved platen, or if you use uh, a, a certain size wheel on your, like your wheel attachment, um, that's going to fit right in there. So when you're hand sanding, you're not just sanding one part, you're sanding the whole curve. So it's a, it's a problem that he solved just like the epoxy bottle and uh they're they're a great sanding um advantage um and he also makes some really great uh sanding sticks so if you're like me and you just do flat grinds all the time his sanding sticks are phenomenal i have one in bright orange and it fits right into my shop and i use it all the time anytime i'm doing hand sanding so definitely check out his stuff that he has yeah 
yeah, the the flat sticks were one of the the first ones that I did because uh, hand sanding sucks, and every time I do it, I'm like trying to figure out how to like make it suck less, and then uh, mm-hmm. ended up like coming or uh, the the shape kind of having them be the the right width and putting some radiuses on there uh, just to make it curved a little bit, uh, just fits your hand a little bit better, and then um, I found that the rubber, the different durometers of rubber really helped a lot with going to higher grits. Uh, so the black one that I, that comes with the sticks is 70 durometer, just like a grinding wheel, uh, just gives you a little bit of cushion behind there. I use those on like under 400 grit. And then once I go above uh, 400 grit, I usually use the white 55 durometer, which is kind of similar to almost like an eraser. Uh, so it's just a little bit softer that kind of, uh, allows you to kind of blend some of that stuff a little bit easier. And actually the, the, the curve on the back of it actually works well. If you are somebody who does either um, like certain types of plunge lines that are like wide, or I'll do sometimes I'll do like a sweeping plunge line or something like that, that curve on the backside, if you get your sandpaper wrapped around it, you can use the backside of that curve to kind of swoop up as you're trying mm-hmm. to go through there and, and get any of those last, uh, those last grind marks out of there. So, yep. That's a well quarter inch out. radius on the, the backside. And then, uh, yeah, the sanding buddy, uh, the 3d printed thing that I make with all the different radiuses. Um, I bought one of the bill Banky um, radius platens. And then I was trying to, I was, I came off the grinder horrible on my first one. I'm like, well, I'll just hand sand it. And then I was trying to like make something to match the radius of Bill Binky's thing. And, um, one of the guys I worked with was like, uh, you need to have a 3d printer. You should do You should make this with a 3d printer. So he actually printed the first couple prototypes of it. Um, and it didn't, it didn't come apart the first ones. Um, and then after I like posted about like after I hand sanded it, um, I had a bunch of people say, Hey, can you make me one with like uh, eight for my eight inch wheel and my 10 inch wheel? And then that's when we came up with the idea for, uh, using the screws to make them removable, uh, so you can swap them out. So I got all the way one... from, go ahead. Got sorry. Them, got them from like a four inch diameter all, all the way up to 36 inch radius. And I think, uh, I think I did like a 20 or there's, I'm there's a spot on the website that you, if you got a specialty size or some sort of radius, that's not already there. Uh, I can tweak the design and print whatever diameter you need. Awesome. So, that's cool. what I was going to ask if you did a four inch, cause that's primarily the radius I use is a four. Yeah. I got so a four, four inch one. And eight. I know Dan Bettinger uses like a 200 millimeter wheel and I made a custom one for him. Um, so all sorts of, different uh things in there so it's worked out really really good and the the straightening hammers are the other ones that i just can't believe are selling as fast as they can so uh yeah lots of lots of people are buying those and it's saving people a lot of time and headache and a lot of money too so that was great so so being as, as new to the stainless game as i am how how often are you getting those those crazy warps in those stainless blades. Is that fairly common? Uh, fairly common. I do a plate quench. Um, so I use some aluminum plates that I have fins milled in the backside to help cool them down. Um, but, um, 
it's real or ever since I started doing cryo, uh, it's been worse with warping and I mainly notice it on Magna cut. So with, with like CPM 154 and 154 CM, I would just, uh, like do the shim temper method during my two temper cycles. And usually it would always come out perfectly straight. And I did like up to nine or I did nine cycles on my first batch of Magna cut and they weren't like coming out. Uh, and that's when I was talking to Laren Thomas and then he pointed me to a blade forums article and, um, it's HSC three, I think was the guy that was talking about using a carbide chisel, um, to hammer straighten hardened blades. And then, uh, Dan Benninger, uh, told me about this or using the carbide ball and stuff. Um, and he learned it from Salem Straub, I think it was. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, I like the ball idea because, um, you don't have any like sharp stress concentration, like where the chisel would be like a, a 90 degree, whatever. So you kind of have to hammer like in a line up and down if you want it to like, uh, get out the bow, but you want to hammer on the inside curve. So the carbide is like 90 Rockwell C. Uh, so you can hammer on hardened stuff and not deform your carbide ball. And so when you're, when you hammer in on the inside curve, you're actually deforming the steel below it and spreading it out. Um, and that's what causes that to stretch on that side and flatten the blade. So interesting, crazy. I never thought it was actually going to work. The first hammer I made, I just like, uh, silver soldered in there and, uh, you really need to braise the ball in to get it to not come out. But, um, yeah, the, I, I was like astonished that, um, I saved all of my 20 something blades. Um, that first batch of Magna cut, I thought I was going to have to scrap almost $600 worth of Magna cut steel. And, uh, yeah, so was able to save all of it. And, um, I've done like 150 knives or so now, and I've only cracked like three of them. So, um, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's not a hundred percent foolproof thing. You're still putting stresses and stuff in there. So you do have to be mindful of that depending on how uh, warped your, your blades are, but uh, lots of, lots of people are using them and they've hammered straight into a lot of blades and they're, they've been really happy with them. So I just want to go back quickly to, you said you had some, some plates that you use and you had cooling fins. I thought I had heard something. It must've been on the work for it podcast about mm. you were gonna maybe start marketing some sort of cooling plate is that was that actually a thing or was that just idle chatter uh i was working with ben butler to have him use his shopbot to mill out some uh cooling passages uh but it's been quite a while and he seems to have uh wanted to move on to other things so i need to pursue another way to get those machined i think so what sort of style was the 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 passages were you talking about like a water cooled thing or mm-hmm. some like passages to blow air through. Yeah. It'd be water cooled. So, oh, okay. um, uh, Nathan Carruthers made these water cooled platen chillers, uh, that work really good for radius platens and stuff, uh, to help keep them cool. Uh, so they don't, cause the fr- added friction of the belt coming across it, it heats up a lot quicker than a, uh, like flat platen. Um, so, um, yeah, I wanted to, the, my first iteration with the fins, I thought was going to be plenty good enough, like spraying some water on them and having the air blow. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't work very well if you're doing like 
four a large batch or, yeah five or more blades sure um, yeah so then yeah been working on this design for a while that's kind of gotten shoved to the side while i've been working on other stuff and um yeah it's something i wanted to wanted to do for a while and need to figure out how to get it machined so i think so, that yeah. would be a a good product out there because that's something I've dealt with with my just standard aluminum plates is once I get past like four or five knives, I have to wait like quite a long time or unhook the plates from the bench, take them outside, put them in the snow or in the freezer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's a pain, yeah. but something yeah. that maintains a temperature would be ideal. Yeah. So the, what I use for like the, my platen chiller on my grinder is this like fountain pump. It does like, I think it's like 400 gallons per hour or something like that, that it flows, which sounds like a lot, but it's not that much per minute. Um, but yeah, that, that works really well to keep the platen chilled. So I've been wanting to been messing around with different flow path designs and stuff, looking at it and had a design and, um, just need to figure out how to get the prototype made now. Yep. Well, if anybody out there is listening, they know who to contact. <laughs> Yeah. We yeah. Get that done for you. Yeah. So yeah, I was, yeah, I was talking to Ben cause he was looking for jobs to do on his shop bot. And, um, I know those can mill aluminum really easily. So was looking at different things there, but he seems to be getting swamped with some of his furniture stuff and things like that, which I get. Uh, so yeah, he's got a just, big project down in Georgia now, I guess. So at least that's yeah. the last I heard on, on the podcast. So mm -hmm. big leather job or something. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to be busy with that. So I'm going to try to find a machine shop local here, I think, to to make a prototype and make sure it works. And uh, before I start selling them. Yeah. Nice. Well, how, that sounds like how a really, really cool product. Would you like machine the channels and then have a plate that bolts over it to seal it? Yeah, that's my first plan and try to use some like RTV around the outside to seal it um, around the outside. Yeah. So, uh, I think I might have to go with an O-ring to seal it. Um, but that's going to add a, that's going to make the plates like really expensive, uh, to machine O-ring grooves and stuff in there. So, uh, hoping to try to use some high temperature RTV to, to hopefully that'll seal it. Um, and then be good enough. Um, Sweet. I have a lot of experience with RTV and silicones. Okay. From being a small engine mechanic, I'm sure Noah uses some other stuff too, but uh, there's two things I found. I've got a tube of one around here. Actually, hold on. I'll grab it. I don't remember where it's at. I think the high temperature red is supposed to be good to like 600 degrees or something like that. I think it was. So the boiling <coughs> point of water is like 212. Um, I think that's right. 212. Yes. Uh, so hopefully the you're going to be making steam before the RTV would give up. Right. But the more RTV is heated and cooled, it starts to break down. Okay. So I work mainly on chainsaws and so they get hot and then they cool and then they get hot. This is the only stuff that I trust on a chainsaw and it's made by a company called Valco Cincinnati and it's all in one silicone aluminum. Yeah. Can you take stuff. a picture of that and send it to me? I will. It, this tube was, it goes a long way. It stinks. Wicked bad. Um, wicked yeah, I, bought, I bought some Permatex cause I just got a sandblasting cabinet to seal up all the joints and 
man, that stuff will like take your breath away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other stuff is probably something Noah's familiar with. It's called the right stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about, Noah? It's like no. a thick, it's a thick, you can get it at any auto parts store. Just ask them for the right stuff gasket. And uh, it's this thick, thick, and it feels like almost gritty when it's wet. And But it, when that stuff dries, you have to pry the pieces apart. Like it's, it's good stuff. I don't think, or I think if it heats up and cools down in a, like, I think having it be like replaceable is not such a bad thing. So if like contaminants or something gets in one of the cooling channels, you can still like cool mm-hmm. or clean it out. So yeah, this like, stuff, I, I mean, you just pop it apart and clean the gasket maker or the silicone off and okay. lay another bead of it. Nice. Lay a bead. Lay a bead. <laughs> we, uh, we do a segment on this show and sometimes it's called Florida man. Sometimes it's called fake news. And today we have a, uh, a little, little fake news segment. Would you like to play along Kyle? I would. I've sent you a couple of, uh, suggestions. Uh, uh you sent the... quite a, quite a few. <laughs> yeah. The listeners have heard your name a few times on this show before you even came on. So yeah. this, uh, this week we're doing fake news, so I'm going to read off three headlines and just the headlines, no no story. One of these is completely fake news, satire, made-up headline. The other two actually happened. Real people did these things, and you have to tell me which one is fake news. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. We start off. Florida man woken up by man who broke into his house and began sucking his toes. <laughs> Gross. Man, f- feet people are weird. <laughs> I'll I'll go on the record for that. Like I I don't I don't understand the foot fetish thing, but I get that it's a thing. But I, I don't I either. Would you break, in, would you break I, into another man's house just to suck his toes? No, I don't even I don't even want to look at my <laughs> wife's toes. So. <laughs> Florida man parks smart car inside kitchen over fear that Hurricane Dorian would blow it away. <laughs> yeah, and lastly, Florida man damages neighbor's house, attempting to tow it to the dump using pickup truck. Huh. Those all sound believable. Yeah. Yes. So we got Florida man woken up by a man who broke into his house to suck his toes. Florida man... <laughs> Excuse me. Florida man parks smart car inside kitchen over fear that Hurricane Dorian would blow it away. Or Florida man damages his neighbor's house, attempting to tow it to the dump using his pickup truck. I think logistically the smart car one is the fake one. Because how are you going to get it? I know they're tiny, but how are you going to get it through your door? That's a good question. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. had like uh, if you had what are the French doors. If you had yeah, like glass, glass, glass sliding doors, usually those are like right next to the dining room, which would be pretty close to the kitchen, I think. Yeah, and they are pretty easy to take out of the frame. Hmm. You just you just kind of lift them and pull them out. I don't know. That's what why kind everybody of doors throws those like Florida. wood rods in there, right? Yeah. So they yeah. can't there's, open them. There's one right there with <laughs> a piece of PVC pipe in it. <laughs> I think the towing to the dump thing is the. I don't know. That one. You're, you're okay, so you're going to go with Florida man damages his neighbor's house attempting to tow it to the dump using his pickup truck? Yeah. I, I don't know how you tow a house, so. 
I've lived in a trailer park. That you, sounds. You never totally lived in a trailer park before. No. I guess I never <laughs> considered it being a trailer. So, I, well, it is Florida. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, are, what's your? Are you sticking uh, with your initial thought, or what do you think? Yeah, I might as well. I might as well. I'm wrong all the time, anyway. So, what's it matter? <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I'm not sure how, but uh, Kyle, you nailed it. Oh, heck yeah! That Woo. was entirely. <laughs> Fake news. The uh, yeah, trying to tow his neighbor's house to the dump. So unfortunately yeah. for all of you listeners and your ears and your brains, someone really did wake up to somebody sucking on his toes, and somebody really did park a smart car in a kitchen. So I yeah, I apologize for you having to know that information. What would you do if you're like having a nice dream? And you're like, oh, something's tickling my feet, and you wake up into some random guy sucking your toes, like. What the fuck? Yeah. Wow. Did you ever Florida, hear about? I, f- I forget where she was. There was one uh, news article where the the woman like uh, defended her house with like a machete, and uh, she was like, and she's like, uh, she had this like there were a bunch of memes going around where she's going chop it, <laughs> and like apparently like this guy was trying to break into her house and. Uh, she was like asleep in her bed and then she like got up and like whacked him on the head with her machete and then like ran after him. And then she realized she didn't have any clothes on. And then she ran back in the house, put her clothes on and like ran back after the guy. Uh, yeah. She like, uh, I think it was like, she like called her machete, like Rufus or something like that. It was hilarious. Oh my gosh. Nice. It had a name. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, look up "chop it machete." You should be able to find something on Google or on Google there. So that's kind of Flor- like Florida is an amazing that, place. Uh, you ever seen that hitchhiker that killed the guy with a hatchet because he was the guy? So the guy that picked him up ran into a woman and was like smashing her with his car, and the guy fucking hacked him with a hatchet and like wow. told the news told the news team about it. Hmm. It's it's oh, uh, he's got a no, bandana on. It's that. the because he goes smash, 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 and that was like a, <laughs> it became like a meme type deal. Gotcha. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. They just did a deep fake with that same interview and they put Theo Vaughn's face over that guy's face. Hmm. Okay. The deep fakes are getting out of hand. They're, they've been doing a bunch of Elon ones. And and they're saying stuff that like you could maybe maybe see Elon saying, and, and it's freaking hilarious. Okay, like they've got his his face and his voice dialed in. AI is getting way out of hand. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. Those deep fakes are like holy. Those look real. Even some of the like video game stuff. Uh, there's like one that was like going around for a while where. Uh, like a bunch of motorcycle guys and they like wreck and he like flies over and gets smacked by another motorcycle. And like, I had a whole bunch of people sending me that video, like saying, check out this guy that died. I'm like, it's a video game. <laughs> so I got, like, uh, I got fooled by a skydiving reel the other day. That was from a video game. And I was like, Oh, sky, there's a skydiving yeah. video game. Well, it's like a point in a game <laughs> where you're skydiving. Uh, Okay. But it looks so legit. Somebody posted it as a reel. I was like, whoa, that looks awesome. And then, like, once they get closer to the ground, you can see that it's, you know, you can okay. see, like, uh, uh, Nate Walpole would know what it is. But when it's, like, buffering into the next zone of the game and you can kind of gotcha. see it loading in the background. The transitions. Like, oh, the- yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's fake. 
Oh, that looks so legit. (laughs) Well, they had, uh, I know we don't talk about political stuff, but dirt when the, when the war kicked off in, uh, uh, in Ukraine, there was that whole story about like the, I don't know. There was, there's a, some pilot that they were calling like the devil. Oh, the, the ghost of Kiev, the ghost of Kiev. And it was all footage from a video game. Huh. And it was totally it. It looked pretty legit to me, um, but yeah, it was all from a video game. It's like that's that's impressive. Next level yeah. propaganda. <laughs> gotcha. Well done, guys. Cool. Uh, Ryan, do we want to uh, play our last sponsor here? Yes, we do. I didn't want to forget because Lawrence Lake is the man. The man. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? I woke up to the sound of one of those Cobra chickens this morning. I, I woke up and I thought it like, I wasn't sure if like my kid was playing his recorder or what, but it was like honking like the same note over and over again. And then it hit like one of those like really like dissonant notes every so often. I'm like, what is that? It's like that freaking homicidal panda pigeons out there just honking his, his head off. Just, just as annoying as could possibly be. It was ridiculous. Um, That's hilarious. But anyways, yeah. yeah. They land in the field behind my house and they are so goddamn loud. Like oh, just chilling, so in, chilling in the grass out there, taking a break. Wah, wah. And there's like 50 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, holy. Yeah. But, yeah. So there's there's a little backwash right across the road from my house over here. So I got the Columbia River out this window and then the Antioch River over here. And the Antioch River has this little backwash right before it meets into the Columbia and so it's like a big pond there and all the Canadian geese just hang out in there during certain parts of the year when they're coming through. And apparently that's right now because, yeah, they're loud as can be. They're mean, too. They'll fight you. Oh, yeah. yeah. They ain't scared. Mm-hmm. We were camping one time when I was a kid and uh, a couple of ca- we were camping on an island in Moosehead Lake in Maine. And a couple of Canadian geese came down and was messing with my stepdad when he was in the canoe. And he hit one of them with the paddle and the thing just kind of like stabled itself in the air and then went back at him. And I was like, Jesus Christ, we must have been close to something. But this is my final form. Yeah, they're relentless. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, you made it angry. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to mention something about Maritime. Lawrence messaged me about the Rhino stick product that I didn't know was actually a thing. It's like a three inch wide adhesive backed Rhino wet paper. And that works really well on the sanding buddies uh, to stick it right to it. Um, for the, the flat sanding sticks, I don't find that it helps uh, speed up the process very much. But for the radius ones, uh, getting it up on there and then it works really well for like uh putting on the flat sticks to like flatten the dome pins that we were talking about earlier and uh oh yeah that would be good the the bevel or where the transition like on kitchen knives uh ryan you probably know i i like to blend my uh my flats uh into where the handle is and uh having the sticky on there um 
you just it's one less thing to like kind of remember to pinch like the paper how i do it so you can like really kind of concentrate on uh where you're seeing in there yeah so yeah. you blend in your grind lines you don't you don't put any plunge lines yeah yeah, yeah. so i prefer I do, that as well yeah on my kitchen knives i do the plunge lines on my like bush crafters and stuff so yeah uh, yeah, yeah the, I, well, I Lawrence, do plunge lines on my hunters but not on the kitchen knives Lawrence has talked to me into buying a, a handful of things. So, uh, tried out some of the Norton Norax ceramic, uh, belts. Those work out really well on, mm -hmm. uh, Magna cut for the finishing stuff. Cause I don't know if you guys have used Magna cut, but, uh, pretty much everything above 120 grit that I've used doesn't want to cut it. Um, so it just, yeah, it just polishes it. I haven't used yeah. it yet, but I've been told it's super hard to hand sand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big pain. So yeah. Thanks Lawrence for getting me to spend a bunch of money up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do. Uh, I've, he, I've used those also... Norax belts. They're awesome. They're, they're the Norton equivalent to Trizac. Mm -hmm. So the, they, there's a Norax one that is ceramic media, uh, oh. not just uh, aluminum so oxide. It's a so it's a ceramic structured. Yeah. So I think it's oh, like 936 ooh. or something like that. And yeah, those are great for the, the super high end stainlesses. I'm going to keep that in mind. I got to put in order for some stuff soon. Yeah. Same Lawrence here. has them cheaper than anywhere that I've seen them too. So, and then, then you can save 10% additionally on that for his buy, buy 10, get one free deal. Yep. Or get one of them free. And it, and it doesn't seem to matter like it, like ten, if as long as you buy ten of whatever belt, you don't have to buy ten of the same one. From my yeah. experience, that's so, cool. Lawrence yeah. is the man. Yeah, and he another thing that he carries is the Max Grip hot stamper. So our boy uh, Maximus Knives and his design that he has for hot stamping um, is now carried by Lawrence. So if you want to get on one of those, just toss it into your cart while you're already ordering from Lawrence. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And speaking of Neil, I thought it was unfair of me that in the beginning of the show, I told everyone to get off their ass and buy some tickets. And then I remembered I haven't bought any goddamn tickets. So <laughs> while we're right here on the show, hopping on PayPal. <laughs> where are you at, Neil? Live on the show. Live on the show. How many tickets should I buy? 18. A thousand. Come on, guys. <laughs> I'm on a budget here. <laughs> at, at least three, because I know uh, he gives you a price break on three. I think it's like 15 bucks a piece or three for 40 or something like that. All right, so we'll go 40 bucks. Tickets. Mofo. Mofo. <laughs> there you go, guys. Yeah. So See? Sending. Uh, uh. Boop. There. there we go. Go no, buy some all... tickets off Neil. Yeah, we got all your contact information there, Ryan. That's okay. <laughs> I could see there's anything. Not, there's not very much money in there, I promise. <laughs> yeah. Well, there I you saw, go, guys. If, if I, Ryan's going to do it, you should too. Yeah. I saw Neil got a uh, a uh, milling machine, so I'll be excited to see what he does with that. Yeah, for sure. I was talking to him earlier about, like, because uh, he's running into logistical problems like he doesn't have enough power out in his shop and stuff like that and always like, a problem. Well, always a problem i said if you think you're ever in the future going to need more 
then do it now because it it's only going to be more expensive to do it after it's done. Yeah. yeah. And more of a pain and, in the ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of my friends, Ben Seacrest, was actually, he actually has like a shed that he had him do like a separate power drop. Um, anything over 100 amps, you have to like, or at least in South Carolina where he was at, you had to like get a special permit um, for them to put in more than, because uh, the power company was like, yeah, 200 amps, no problem. And uh, when he went to get the like permit from the, like his county or something, they're like, yeah, except, or, an accessory building like we'll only let you do a hundred unless you like pay a lot more and have it like rezoned as uh like an actual like building oh, and not like an out out building yeah so, i need so. to do a new box because my box like four of the prongs was busted off so i think whoever owned the house before me they just found an old power box and put it in the garage so i've got like two or four pr- poles on my box that I can't use. And I would okay. like to have another 220 run. So I'd like to have one breaker for like all the, the oven and heat treating stuff. And then another one for my grinders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would I'm, be I'm ideal. Sc- I'm, I got them on one right now. It's 30 amp, but I'm scared to run them both at the same time. I've never tried it. I'm, I yeah. don't want to, you know. Yeah, I ran 60 amps out to my garage uh, just because that was the three quarter inch conduit that they already had in the ground. Um, that was the biggest I could put through there. So um, it just it just sucks. <laughs> always yep. worried, always worried about it, but it hasn't hasn't been too much of a problem. Right on, guys. Oh, for sure. Hey, this has been a pretty good show. We're at an hour and 20 minutes. Do we want to call it? Kyle, is there anything else you wanted to talk about while you're here? Uh, don't you guys usually do like a WFI project or is yeah, that? Do, uh, we, we haven't done WFI in a while. You want to do them? We haven't. Let's do that. Let's do it. That's a good idea, Kyle. It's been a yeah. while. Let's see here. Hashtag WFI projects. Because we're just a bunch yeah. of flea bags. I've tried to start posting more in there, so... Uh, oh, yeah. no, I always not always forget. <laughs> I went to Facebook. Uh, I use I use pretty much the same hashtags all the time, and WFF projects is in there. But mm. there's so many of them. You know what I mean? Like they probably yeah. don't even see eighty percent of them. Uh, this, this is, guy this is just my feed. I'm just I'm seeing all the same posts that I already see on my normal feed. <laughs> yeah, I like a lot of those people. Uh, one of the ones that I saw was this JC creation knives or JC underscore creations underscore knives. Uh, he was doing some tooling on some leather sheaths that uh, looked pretty, pretty awesome. So uh, good job there. Oh, geez, God, this, this is a new one from Tortuga. Yeah, he's got some uh, stainless over Damascus. Oh, He's got this big fuller in it so you can see it popping through. It's gorgeous. Very cool. You're right, though. It is like pretty much just my timeline, like because you kn- we know everybody. <laughs> yeah. So you could just start out by like just naming people. So it's Cowie and Jeanette Racine. She makes wooden spoons. There's a ton of hers on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tortuga. Who's that? Who's that? It's a Zura Maker. Brigham's got a new uh, chef knife that he just finished up. That's pretty awesome. 
Stormlight Forge. I'm trying to see Brigham's. There's so many. Yeah. Who's that one? That one's badass. That's Tortuga Bladeworks. A little hunter with a nice fuller in it. Isn't that and gorgeous? That Koa over Tuxedo Black and White G10 liners. Brian, that knife is beautiful, brother. Abstract Blacksmith doing the roses. Gator Creek Custom Knives with a guitar neck themed chopper. I haven't seen that one. I'm going to tag you in it. All right. Since you since you play guitar. So, Musi, M-U-C-I, underscore Damascus, underscore Blades. Uh, he's got a... Oh, that's cool. That thing that you sent me there, Ryan. Um, mm. He's got a Damascus chisel. I made a Damascus chisel a while ago, but he's... Um, I'm not familiar with him, but apparently he's in... Um, He's in Florida, which is funny because we were just slacking off Florida. Uh, but <laughs> he's got some he's got some cool work. He's got some sand mice that are really beautiful. And this Damascus chisel is beautiful. He's got some very clean lines on it. The blackwood handled ones. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, there's a handful Gorgeous. of other chisels in his feed that are are pretty amazing. Looks like he does some like stuff with maybe violins or music instruments and stuff. So. Wow. And even though we rag on Florida a lot, I love Florida. I've never been there, but most, a lot of my favorite people are from Florida and everybody I know who lives in Florida is super duper happy. Yeah. When they're not not getting hit by a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. Uh, Hooten knives did a bad ass. Oh, it's a waffle. Posted 22 minutes ago. So everybody go check out Hooten Knives. 80 spots, 15 bucks a spot. And it's a Damascus Hunter with vintage canvas micarta pins and handle. I assume it's vintage. It it looks like Old Westinghouse or Butterscotch. Something like that. Oh, Brigham. Forging. Germs Metalwork has a hand. Okay, this is this is insane. So everybody go to Germs Metalworks and check up. I I follow this guy. Oh no, I don't follow. What I don't follow him. What the heck? Um, this is an insane handle. He hand carved roots, like tree roots, into the handle of this blade, and I've not seen something quite like this before. That is insane. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, my gosh. That's... How do I not follow this guy? I've heard I've heard of him. I, I don't know why I'm not following him, but that's ridiculous because this guy has some incredible work. Yeah, some of the carving stuff and the like uh, engraving stuff. I just am totally blown away with how people do that. Mm-hmm. So mm, J- JB Blades does he carves those like almost like snake looking raised grooves on the spines of his knives or on the mm-hmm. backs of his knives. And that just blows my mind. I'm, I'm, I at, at least spend five minutes a day thinking about how that, how he possibly does it and wanting to, and wanting to learn. Yeah. Cause then how do you grind the bevels? If you've got like, 
Mm-hmm. It's hard to describe, but it's like a fuller, but not a fuller. It's raised instead of sunk into the blade. It's an yeah. anti-fuller. And when I asked him how he did it, he said, I carved them. I'm like, okay, with what? <laughs> how? <laughs> what do you, is that abrasive using burbits and smoothing it out or because yeah. I know, um, Dennis Tyrell did an elven sword a while back that his plunges like swooped into the shape of the blade, like matched where the, the point of the blade, the edge came down. Sorry, I can't talk. And, uh, I asked him how he did that and he said he did it with burbits. Nice. So. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I, I can't. I can't get. Or I just gonna say this. Then you can. Then you can go, Kyle. Um, I'm just scrolling through Germs Metalworks feed, and this guy makes some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. His he's got like these, like unique feather patterns, and I, he does all these like integral handles, like integral forged skeletonized handles and stuff. I'm I'm loving this guy's work. So, if you listen to the show, sir, well done. You absolutely have my respect and i'm sorry i didn't follow you before because i am blown away by your work man beautiful beautiful stuff it's it's hard to know everybody like um one of the guys that i became fairly good friends with now matt christensen matthew christensen he's like on the south side of chicago and he had like twenty five thousand instagram followers or something when when i actually met him and i had never heard of him and uh yeah like makes really cool like knives and has a couple production knives and stuff too and um i'm only like I don't know, 50 miles away from him and had never heard of him so yeah. uh just not in the same same circle of people until uh happened to link up one day yep so uh i only had one other thing that i wanted to mention uh i'm going to be teaching a file work class on, at blade show again in atlanta so if you're in Atlanta, uh, come to one of the best uh, classes at Blade University. Learn how to do some file work patterns on the spines of your blades. I'll be teaching the the five main patterns that I do, the thorn, the Celtic, the bats, um, blocks, and bubbles. So I'll check that out because I yeah. do zero file work and I've always wanted to. Yeah, it's not hard. Uh, you getting it laid out and once you know how to do a couple of shapes like everything is like a variation on those shapes so uh Sweet. getting it la- getting it laid out is the the biggest thing to making it look good in my opinion um i had a guy a couple weeks ago come by uh his uh, instagram is matster of none i always thought that was uh, hilarious uh but matt yeah he did uh did the Celtic pattern and his first, first two attempts turned out pretty good. So nice. uh, it's the first time he did file work ever. So uh, the biggest thing is getting them laid out, get getting on the lines and knowing where to put those, put those uh, shapes. But yeah. I think it's like 20 or $25 a spot. It's going to be Saturday morning. Um, I think it's eight 30 in the morning. So fairly early, especially since I always seem to stay up till like one, two o'clock in the morning in the pit. So, yeah, I was uh, actually shopping for plane tickets the other day. Am I better off getting my ticket sooner like now or closer to blade your air, your air flight? Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I've never flown to Atlanta. (laughs) Well, never flown to Atlanta for blade show. Um, We just always drove Um, be it having knives. um, It's easier to drive. 
And for me, it's like 14 hours or something like that to get to Atlanta. So it's not too bad. And my, my dad's like five hours on the trip. So I usually stop and pick him up and spend the night. So then it knocks it down to like nine hours the second day. So that's not uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. My, it's nice having my dad with me to talk and chat and stuff. So I'm a I'm a 23 hour drive. Yeah, that's a little bit yeah. different. Um, but yeah, I would try to um, make sure you at least get your hotel lined up because uh, those those sell out pretty quick anywhere close. Uh, and especially if you're wanting to spend time at the pit, you're going to uh, have to Uber or something uh, after. Yeah, so. I, I don't drink and I'm really bad with crowds, so I can't imagine okay. I'll be out in the pit very late. And uh, my dad lives like an hour and a half away from Atlanta. Okay. So I was I was figuring I'd rent a car and show up on his doorstep and be like, what's up, pops? <laughs> Sleeping nice. on your couch for a few days. Nice. So we'll see yeah. what he says. Cool. If not, hotel rooms are always, you know can yep. stay out of town too i like to have a car i like to be able to get around i don't like cabs or ubers or yeah well if you are in the pit uh i usually have the big white cooler uh pickle sticker bombed it uh or tried to sticker bomb it i i only let him get one sticker on there he was trying to put like fi- he had like 15 of them ready to go uh that he was going to try to like put all over it uh but yeah i got a whole bunch of makers and stuff that i'm all friends with got one of uh uh, Jason's JK blade stickers on there and, um, bald man, knife and tools, some house made stuff. So I've got beer, water, and usually some soda and stuff in there. So if you're in the pit, uh, find me and usually I can hook you up with something to drink. Nice. I like uh, diet Dr. Pepper. Okay. I usually have diet Pepsi. Are you, are you that taking works orders? Too. <laughs> that works too. I like diet Pepsi too. I don't like yeah. full strength soda. I like the stuff that'll give you brain cancer. Yeah, me too. So Diet Mountain Dew and uh, Diet Dr. Pepper are the two that are always stocked at my house. Nice. Yeah, the the pit is always really nice for uh, being able to talk to some of the makers and stuff, especially for me having a table. That's when I can actually talk to some of my other maker friends. And then that's also what you can like have more in-depth conversations with people. especially like a lot of the makers are all there. Um, so you can actually talk to them about stuff and not feel so guilty, like taking up time at their table. Cause, um, talking at the table, like we always love to meet everybody, but when you start talking to somebody for 20, 30 minutes or more, and there's other people like coming by the table, like I try to always like at least say hi to everybody that starts to look at my blades. Um, mm-hmm. just cause I'm trying to, it's expensive to have a table there and it's expensive to get down there and the hotels are expensive. So, um, yeah, try to I make plan it. On, I plan on bringing just like a couple changes of clothes and an empty backpack because I know I'm going to want to buy a bunch of shit, especially yeah. if I'm, if you can get handle material by the pound while you're there. Okay. I, I might as well stock up. I don't know of many places that sell it by the pound, but, um, that, you, that's what Jason can... said. I don't know though. Okay or the places that I usually buy, it's not by the pound, but um, yeah, you can like some of the best stabilized materials are there. Um, being one of the biggest shows, like uh, everybody brings some of their best stuff. So you'll, you'll find stuff that you don't see the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And lots of makers will pull out stuff from under the table. If you start talking to them too. some of the guys hold stuff back that 
they bring with them that they don't stick out there. Hmm. Nice. Good to know. The secret menu. I'll be at table three double B. Uh, so you should come check me out. Sweet. Pretty, Absolutely. Right, man. right next to Phoenix abrasives, like literally the table right next to him. So nice. Have, have been there for then. the last three years. So, and bald man knife and tools actually going to be right behind Phoenix abrasives this year. So I'm excited to like get to talk to him more. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, like I said, I hate crowds. Like it's like a issue. Like if I don't have to go to work, I don't leave the house. I, my wife does all the shopping. I don't like being around crowds. So this is like a big deal for me. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to find some place to camp like, hey, can I use, pull up a chair in your booth and just sit here? You don't even have to talk to me. Just let me chill out here for a minute. Cause, yeah. 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 If you want to work my table for a little bit, I'll I'll, I'll let you uh, stand around there and I'll I'll take a lap because it's it's good to get away from the table some, too, because uh, I got to give my voice a break sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Talking for like eight hours straight. That sounds like hell yeah and then you talk for another six eight hours in the pit so uh i usually get i usually average not want to go to blade (laughs) i usually get about four hours of sleep uh i'll be uh i'll be the vendor's designated bathroom break guy yeah well what's what's great about where my table is is uh you can literally like see the bathroom so if there you know if there's like no line you can just like run over there and run back real quick when, when I had my table, I was like on the other side of the room. Uh, there were a couple times where I ran over like to the bathroom and there was a line that was like probably 50 people deep. And I was like, nope. <laughs> Damn. So, uh, yeah. Nice. Okay. But well, what do you say we call it a show, boys? Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. You can keep yeah. in touch with me at cagedailyknives.com. And I'm cagedailyknives pretty much everywhere on social medias. Nice, nice. Uh, set, after we get off here, send me a thumbnail and any links that you want posted on the episode. Sure. Will do. Cool. Thanks, so you guys, guys can just click below and go buy yourself a standing stick. Yes. Yeah. Or a bottle holder or a straightening hammer. Yeah. Cool stuff. For sure. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for hanging out with guys. us, man. Thanks. Yep. Y'all have a good week. Bye. Keep on up.